Welcome, everybody, to This Podcast Has Autism. I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. It's Marcy. I'm here with my husband, Bran. And today we are talking about feeding disorders. So children with uh, sensory issues due to autism may be at risk for feeding disorders, including difficulty eating or swallowing food based on the smell, texture, or color. These children tend to be picky eaters and may even throw tantrums when asked to eat certain foods. Up to 70% of children with ASD may present symptoms of feeding disorders. Parents dealing with these picky eaters are encouraged to offer choices while still having their child stick to the rules. For instance, let them know they have to eat one vegetable at dinner, but allow them to choose which one. It is also important to ensure that your child isn't avoiding a food because of an allergy. And this was taken from Applied Behavioral Analysis, edu.org. I know with our son, he avoids eating um, carrots cheese, and cheese when it's not melted. And it's the weirdest thing because, you know, he'll, he'll ask for cheese when it's melted, but when it's not melted, he just does not want anything to do with it. So. Oh, he'll eat carrots if they're cooked. Yeah. Because they're, they become softer. Yeah, so I think it's a texture thing for him. Anyway, now let's listen to the interview. Hey, everybody. Today we have uh, Catherine with us. And uh, let's turn time over to her so she can introduce herself. Hello, my name is Catherine. Um, I am an, an adult on the autism spectrum. And... Uh, I'm about 29 years old, going to be 30 soon, and um, I wanted to be on this podcast to share my story to help others as well. Um, well I'll just say something random about myself. I think uh, I, I love cats and I love wolves, so that's something interesting about me or, you know, something random. <laughs> I have three cats myself. <laughs> really? Oh, that's so awesome. I love cats. They're the best. I got two. <laughs> well, I'm not a big cat lover. My wife's more of the cat lover than I am, but but the, yeah, they're fun. They're fun. Yeah, they're playful. They're 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 strange. They're kind of like I think they're kind of like autistic people. I mean, they're, you know, they want to be touched when they don't want to be touched or yeah. they do. Like they kind of want it, but you know, they're more like chill by themselves but they do like human interaction as well so you know it's kind of yeah. like autism yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh so what age were you when you were diagnosed with autism so i was diagnosed with autism at the age of 19 but previously of that i was diagnosed with like a lot of learning disabilities and like auditory processing disorder, specific learning disability. Um, there was a few other ones that I was diagnosed with when I was seven. And um, uh, originally they almost diagnosed me deaf when I was younger because I wasn't responding to anybody, but they found out that I was not deaf, that I just have hypersensitive hearing. So it was like I went through like a process of all these diagnoses and then um, when I was about 18, I was in high school at that time, so I was just about to graduate, and I was uh, going in and out of psych hospitals because uh, 
I just couldn't understand who I was, like what was wrong with me, like, uh, you know, what was going on in my life. And I just couldn't figure out what it was. So I just didn't want to be alive anymore at that time. And, uh, luckily enough, um, I got out of the hospital, I got this psychiatrist, and she herself has autism, and her son has autism, and I was just, you know, she brought up this thing, this word to me, and I was just like, no way, like, I've never heard of it in my life, and, um, yeah, so, 19 was when she diagnosed me, she, she, like, I walked into the room, and she, she was like, I don't even need to do any testing, she's, without a doubt, you're autistic, and it was... Yeah. So wow. 19 was the age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I totally can relate to you. When I was when I was younger, I, I was diagnosed with all kinds of di- different disabilities. And then um, just, a f- just a few months ago, I was diagnosed with autism. And, th- and it felt great, right? Like yeah. It was like yeah. A, an answer. Yeah. Uh, so how did you feel when you found out you had autism? Well, for me, um, initially when I like looked it up and stuff, I was like, what? No, this is not me. Like what this is, this is nonsense. But then like, I really looked into it. I signed up on wrong planet. Um, I asked people questions. I asked like female questions, like to the females of that have autism and then like also the male perspective. Cause I was just very curious. I was like, how do I fit into this? And, when I read online and I just read all of these like characteristics and I was like, wow, that's why I did this when I was younger. And it answered every single question I ever had about myself. Um, so from that moment forward, I was like, I'm proud to be who I am and I'm still proud to be autistic. And I have no problems telling anybody that I have autism because that diagnosis answered all every question I've ever had about myself and now I want to be alive because I know I have a purpose here so um, I felt amazing absolutely amazing and I still do about the diagnosis <laughs> yeah totally, totally relate to you um, sweet <laughs> <laughs> did, did some things in your life make more sense once you knew yeah so um, like those things when I look back um uh, it just made sense. Like people used to yell at me all the time. Like, why don't you look at me when I speak? And like, I'm understanding you. I am fully there. I just, if I'm staring at you, at you in the eyes, then I kind of just get lost in what you're saying. And I just start staring at your face and I, I see like different imperfections. And, and then I, 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 you know, I look towards that, then the conversation. So I'm like, um, you know, I just never understood why I did that. And everyone in my life just questioned me. And so, I could finally be like, yeah, this is why, you know, this is why I do these things and I can learn more of those aspects about myself. So everything made sense. My whole life made sense. And, um, I will say this one funny story. When I was younger, I used to tell everybody, um, probably around the age of 10 that I was from planet Zebo, <laughs> that I was not born here. <laughs> I was some alien child that does did not I don't know where I came from I was just planet Zebo, and people actually believed me when I was younger but when they grew up they were like you're really not from another planet I was like but I feel like it so like this diagnosis just it made sense of everything <laughs> that, that's awesome <laughs> uh, 
So, so how does autism affect you overall? Um, so like, of course, with any other diagnosis or anything, like who you are as a person, you're going to have positives and you're going to have negatives. Um, so I'll just state like some little positives and little negatives. I think, um, uh, it affects me positively because it's who I am. So, um, everything I do and every way I act and, you know, whatever I say and however I interact with anyone who I'm with, that's because I, that's who I am. I'm, you know, it may have a little autistic qualities in that. Um, I may be super really quirky and I'm proud of it. I'm proud to be socially awkward. And I, I will tell you straight to your face that I am and, uh, I will embrace it. So, um, that, you know, that's who I am. And then negatively wise, I think the only thing that I can't stand probably because I live in an apartment complex is my sensory issues. And, um, so like I have hypersensitive hearing. I can hear everything that's upstairs that's going on in the apartment. I can hear everything downstairs in the apartment. I can hear everything that's outside and, um, I get overly stimulated by that. Um, so it could also be like in a classroom or uh, grocery shopping, I have to go for like those very specific things that I'm there for. And then I need to leave because I could get just too much sensory overload and I could shut down. And I still have those experiences as an adult, still haven't 100% figured that, that whole maze out, but, um, I do what I can do. And those, that's probably just the only negative aspect I think, because I love autism and I'm proud and I would never take a pill that will pop in my mouth and erase that because then who would I be, you know? Yeah. Since girls present a bit differently in, in autism than boys, do you feel like you wear a mask out in public? Like a very hard question because yes and no. Um, I, I'm 100% proud of who I am. So probably in the last like 15 years, no mask. I don't wear a mask anytime, um, except for the one time where my fiance had this, like, uh, it was like a buffet thing with like her coworkers or something like that. And, uh, I wanted to pretend that I could do this and I, you know, I had it, um, but I realized in the end, like the mask that I had ruined me because I ended up with a huge shutdown. Um, I tried to pretend like everything was okay. And then I just shut down afterwards. But, um, to me, I'm just proud of who I am. I'm, I'm a proud of being weird and awkward. And, you know, I might say some things that are not cool for some people because I'm very, very honest, but wearing a mask now in public no I because it, it would just ruin me later on but I did do it as a child so I would try to like copy and mimic people and then I realized like I lost myself as a kid and I lost myself as a teenager wearing that mask because well then if I'm you know copying these people like who's gonna like me for who I am so um I just the mask usually never comes on but Sometimes I could feel myself, you know, going to try to, you know, pretend like I'm normal and I put quotes around normal because I don't believe anyone is normal, but there are aspects in the social life that I still don't get and I try to pretend that I do get them. So like 
when people are sarcastic, there are certain levels of sarcasm that I do get, and I can be sarcastic right back to them. But there are other types of sarcasm that I still can't understand, and I'll be that person that laughs. But in the end, I'll, like, walk away, like, what, what were we laughing at? Like, what was funny? Like, I didn't find anything funny. So I think, you know, um, so just to answer your question, I don't feel like I wear a mask 100% of the time. I think it just depends on the people I'm with. Yeah, I, no, I, I get you. Uh, okay. I, I, do, I do the same thing. I, sometimes I feel like I got to put a mask on depending on the situation. And yeah, because I mean – if you know the people, then it's like you don't really need to wear a mask. But when you don't know the people or there's a lot of people, it's just like, oh, my goodness, you know, like, what do I do in this circumstance? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like you can remove the mask when you're at home with loved ones? Exactly. So that's the thing. Like, the mask doesn't even – it's not even a thing in, in life when I'm with my loved ones or when I'm with people or friends that I know and – um know that they accept me for who I am I think as a child and I know a lot of children on the autism spectrum that will put on a mask at school and try to act as normal as possible but when they come home they break down they they have sensory overload they shut down they're hyper like I mean they're bouncing off the walls and I had that as when I was a kid I just didn't understand what it meant yeah but, I, I did too <laughs> yeah see so like it, it happens like but I think once you once you get a diagnosis and you really, really understand that diagnosis and you really, truly understand yourself, then a mask really isn't necessary. You know, like I understand that there's certain people in certain places that, yes, you would wear it. But then it just kind of you just kind of like this is who I am. Like, why should I hide it? You know? Yeah, I, I get you. Yeah. Yeah. When I was younger, that was one of the things that uh, when I got diagnosed, I was like, wait, that's why I did did this and that when I was younger like my parents used to growl at me all the time everybody say you're so good at school and church and then when when you get home you're this total opposite person where's this yep. good kid that everybody keeps talking about <laughs> yeah oh my goodness yeah see and then and then right then and there you're like well this is why this is why this all happened and why I was a totally different kid at home like this is why yeah yeah that's awesome can you tell us about your relationship with your significant other and how they help you and understand you? Yes. So, um, I, I'm engaged. Her name is Tracy and I met her about five and a half years ago online, um, because I was not going to go out in the world and try to meet anybody. So I did the whole online dating, um, and she's an occupational therapist as her, you know, job. So I initially knew before I knew she was an occupational therapist that she had a heart, you know, that she was there to understand. And on our first date, we had spent, I think it was five and a half hours together to just talking. And uh, I told her point blank, I said, I have autism. If you have an issue with it, this is not going to work. I was like, but I will describe to you things that if, if necessary, if you're interested in, you know, seeing me again for a second date, um, we can work this out and we can figure it out together sort of thing. And she said, I have absolutely no problem that you're autistic. She was like, I would love to get to know you and get to understand you to be able to help you. So 
nowadays we live together with our two cats um and she she'll be that person where like um so for my hypersensitivity issues she brings earbuds with me that have filters in them and so if it's too loud or too noisy and i'm starting to shut down and i don't realize like i need to reach for those earbuds or i need to reach for those headphones she'll have them already in her purse and she'll just hand them to me and um that that you know that understanding feels like it's amazing because like what if i had forgotten those at home i'm very forgetful um i only leave the house with like three things and usually I forget my wallet. So <laughs> it's nice that she could bring the earbuds and those type of situations. I'm also, I don't want to be so negative. So I'm going to try to like put this as a positive way. I'm not a really good partner. I, I try to be a really good significant other. I try to be a really good, um, just a good partner to her. But she does a lot of the housing things so like she vacuums because i can't stand the sound of a vacuum and my hands hate the dishes in the sink so like i'll empty out the dish dishes but she'll fill the dishwasher sort of things and i feel horrible that she has to do so much because it's 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 like a parent role not a you know a significant other role but she understands that i'm trying so i i like i add like different sort of um, chores to do and it sounds silly but I have like a chore chart for children and I try to just remind myself like hey you know you want to help you know you want to help her out I love her to pieces and I want to marry her so um, you know take out the garbage every Friday you know or do you know empty out the kitty litter like every other day or something so I try and I try to remember I put it on my calendar but she knows and she understands that if I forgot, I was thinking about it all day, you know? So like I, and I felt really bad and, and she understands that I'm trying and I still try. I mean, when we first met each other five and a half years ago, I didn't even know how to do laundry and she taught me how to do laundry and now I can do laundry. Um, and those are like little things like some people would look back on and be like, that's kind of embarrassing. But to me, it's amazing because that's a person who understood that I lacked in a few different things, but she's still there to support me and help me become an independent person in our relationship. That's awesome. Uh, I, I, I know how it is with that, too, because uh, my wife, I depend on my wife for everything. <laughs> and and she tell, she'll tell people all the time, yeah, I'm raising three kids instead of two. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's Tracy does the same thing. She says the same exact thing, but yeah, see, like you know, like it's. I feel like it's just at least you have a wife. You know, she understands that aspect of you, and she still loves you exactly for who you are. She's not leaving you. You know. Yeah. That's amazing. That's like that's that's rare, and like we both have that person in our life that's not going to leave us and understands that like we're we're struggling to be that you know, person that they can depend on as well. But like, I bet there's certain aspects where your wife can depend on you for certain things that are different than what you can depend on her. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So 
try to look at it that way. That's just just try to I, I try to look at it that way because if I try to look at it the way that of the things I fail to do as you know as a significant other to her, um, I would just be really depressed. So I try to look at well, you know, I'm here as a comfort. You know, I'm here. I listen to her every day about her. You know how her work went and. Uh, you know, I help out as much as I can, and she understands that. And there's other aspects where I'm there for her in a different way, and that's what I just have to think about. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I'll get down on myself and start getting depressed because I don't do, you know, as much as she does for me. And right. I'll get depressed, and I'll be like, I don't understand why you stick around. Why don't you just leave me? You deserve better. <laughs> Oh my goodness, I do the same thing. I do the same exact thing. Yeah. 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 It's tough, but yeah. <laughs> At least you're not alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, do you find online college more helpful for you than regular college? Um, hmm. yes and no. Uh, I did, on, I did um, I graduated with an associate's degree in social work, and that was all in person. It got me out of my comfort zone, which is a biggie. If I get into a comfort zone and my anxiety gets worse, so I, I can't leave the apartment sort of ordeal, which is what online college does. Um, but in the aspects of, like, accommodations, um, like, uh, I moved up to upstate New York, uh, like, three years ago. And I was trying to do, earn a, like, a bachelor's degree in psychology. But, like, the fire alarms were very triggering. And, like, the noises that people made during the class was very triggering. This was also a very old school that had, like, very high-pitched noises that nobody else could hear, of course. But I could hear, and it would just rip me apart every single day. Um, so I left this school and did online school so now I'm earning a bachelor's degree in criminal justice online and the only accommodation I need right now is just like extra time for tests and so I can process what I'm reading and like understand but um in that in that in the academic sort of stance I think it's more helpful yes because it's it's visual I can read it I can watch some videos I can understand it better but in the sense where I'm stuck home all alone all day, I'm, I, that anxiety makes it so hard to walk out the front door. So that's like the only downfall of online school. But otherwise, I think it is a lot more helpful in learning at the academic stance of it, yes. What are your goals after college? <laughs> I'm terrified. <laughs> I'm so so scared about graduating because um okay so this is probably one aspect that nobody knows either is so i'm 29 i'm about to be 30 in january and i've never really had a job um which i know is is a big thing with a lot of people on the spectrum um i just i've done like volunteer work and i've done like dog sitting but i haven't done like a true interview where you go in you do an interview and you get like declined or accepted I have never gotten a real paycheck um, so I am scared about leaving school because um, 
I mean, it took me a long time to even go to college. It was like eight years after I graduated high school because it, it, um, all the medications I was on and stuff like that, trying to figure out my life. Um, I didn't start college until really late. And now, you know, I'm 29, still haven't gotten a bachelor's degree, but I'm not beating myself up over that. Um, I'm just scared. I, I don't know how I'm going to do in an interview or if I'm going to get a job. But um, one positive goal out of all of this that I'm saying is I am applying to graduate school because I realized that my niche, my purpose in life, and I've known this since I was eight, but I lost it temporarily, is that I need to help people. I want to be a social worker. Um, I would like to get some certification for like autism spectrum disorder, LGBT um, sort of issues. And I just want to like help people in whatever way, like in the community as a therapist. Um, that's just, it's just my passion. It's my, it's all I think about. Like if somebody has a child with autism and I hear it, you know, in the distance, I walk up to them and I'm like, Hey, do you have any questions? You know, you know, who have you reached out to, you know, sort of thing. And I want to be that person that someone reaches out to. So yeah, goal is to apply to graduate school and get my first job. So. Oh, that's great goals. Yeah. <laughs> Just terrifying, <laughs> I mean, terrifying goals. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, it, it's not fun going for interviews. I've been declined jobs because I bombed the interview. It shouldn't even it's be scary. about bombing the interview, though. I mean, like, it, like, like, I don't know. It should be about your credentials, but I understand that people in the world see it as like a social thing so you have to you know present very well and that's what scares me because you know you can bomb a an interview but but have all the credentials to be like the best candidate you know yeah well well after i graduated uh recording school um i opened up my own recording studio and it's been I've been running it for about a year now. I've had two customers. <laughs> but and, that's pretty cool. At least you have two customers. It's not like you never had one. Yeah, but the problem. Look at it like that. The, the <laughs> problem. The problem is, is my anxiety gets the better of me, and so everybody keeps telling me you need to go out to the bars, you need to go to the clubs, you know, the coffee shops where you know all these musicians play at, and just talk to them and you know say hey i'm an i rec record tell them your prices and stuff i was like yeah but my anxiety keeps me from doing that <laughs> i get that what if what about what if you did like a flyer and you hung them in the uh like a grocery store or you know a coffee shop or something like yeah. that i i've thought about that yeah I, there, there are possibilities there are ways to make this work yeah <laughs> Oh, can you tell us um, what kind of things you like to paint? Sure. Uh, painting has always been in my life since I was very young. Um, and I typically usually paint abstract, so it's depending on my feelings and how I feel. Um, and I try to never tell anybody what my feelings were, so I typically will title it something completely different because I want everybody who looks at the painting to see something differently, feel something differently. I don't want them to go based off of what I painted it as. Um, 
I also paint a lot of uh, emotions I try um, because after I was diagnosed with autism I like studied really hard on like what emotions look like on someone's face and um, I tried to take the emotions of how I either feel or I felt at one point in time that surround autism in a way and I create those on um, paintings. Um, sometimes I'll do like random things like cactuses or uh, like a beautiful landscape of like mountains, but typically it's it's based on the root of feelings and um, either past feelings or usually present feelings. Um, I don't know. I just I like I write poetry as well, and a lot of my poems will talk about something that never maybe never actually happened to me but relate to an emotion of some sort of way so yeah those are the types of things i usually paint <laughs> uh where, where can we find like your paintings and poems if if anybody wants to look them up um i have a facebook page called abstract cat and now i'm trying to remember how it's spelled a b s t r a k t and then it's cat c-a-t um i also have an instagram with that as well and then i also have posted some paintings no poems through the art of autism on facebook yeah i used to have an etsy page but i kind of temporarily put that down for a little bit because i i want to add some more paintings to it but uh i do have that as well and it's through abstract cat so abstract is with a k instead of a c what motivated you to submit your paintings to the Art of Autism? How long have you been doing it? Um, well, when I was diagnosed with autism at 19, um, I realized, you know, maybe that's why I'm such a good painter um, or, you know, an artistic type of person. I'm very creative. And I was trying to find, like, an outlet where I could share my paintings since I was painting them more towards for people with autism um, or family members or something like that. So I Googled and Facebooked some sort of, like, art of autism, and um, I found them, and I was like, oh, my goodness, this is perfect. So I just started, like, you know, submitting some artwork to them, and they reposted it, which is really nice, and I love to see the responses of like parents or individuals as well um i try to make every painting i have very imperfect i i'm i'm come as a, i am a very perfectionist person so when it comes to art i try to make it very imperfect i don't want it to be how i feel like it needs to be um so i've been doing i've been submitting to them for five years and i've been at least painting for 20, almost 20 something years, but um, I haven't really let the world see them until recently, so. Have you gotten any like rewards or, or have you made any no. money off your stuff? No, I, I, I have people have bought them through Etsy or in person. Um, I've had people ask me or like, could you paint this for me or um, uh, and I've that sort of thing, but I've never gotten any rewards. I'm, 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 I'm like you with anxiety things. So like putting myself out there is really terrifying. Um, I could do it on Facebook and I could do it online, but like going out to a, like an art craft store, you know, or like a, a fair or something, it's like, 
petrifying. So I kind of just stuck with a little bit online and I wish I, I wish I would push it out there more, but maybe that'll be a goal. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. can you tell us about the tattoo that you designed? Of course. Um, so I wrote, um, a story and, uh, a picture of my design is on the mighty website. And, um, I wanted to have a tattoo that represented autism to me. Um, I knew a puzzle piece was like very, it's very out there with, uh, to have a puzzle piece for autism, but I didn't want that. Um, I wanted something that represented neurodiversity for me. My voice is going in and out. My apologies. Um, I wanted something that re- represented a spectrum because that's what autism is. It's a spectrum. And like there, you could be on a low end of a spectrum at any point in time. You could be on the high end of the spectrum. That's, it's just like, it's a spectrum for everybody. Um, I don't believe in like just one end of the spectrum is just one person. That's just my, my belief on that. But this tattoo is a brain. And it's a brain made out of computer wires and computer parts. Um, And then it's got rainbow colors um, throughout it. And it stands for, the rainbow is the spectrum of autism. And the computer parts is how my brain thinks. My brain literally thinks like a computer. And I've felt like this since I was younger. So what what other perfect way would there be than to put that as a tattoo on my body? That's pretty cool. Do you have like a, like a sketch of it or something that people can look at? Um, I think the Mighty still has my uh, story, which has the picture at the end of it. If it doesn't, I can also send you guys a picture if you wanted to, or I could post it somewhere, um, like on my face, uh, my Facebook page. I could do that. Um, okay. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I I have no problem sharing it at all. I, I, I love tattoos. <laughs> I I have a few and I I want to get a couple more, but the problem is the the one tattoo I want, it's gonna be like really, really something, <laughs> and I don't really have a design for it yet, but it's gonna. Well, you gotta get a design yeah. for it. <laughs> well, I want I want a family tree, and uh, oh. and I want the tree to be like spooky looking. Cause yeah. I like I like horror films and stuff like that, but the family tree is gonna have like little like little doodads dangling off the branches for each family member, and like like for my wife she she does photography so maybe like, like a camera for, to represent my wife. And that is awesome idea. My, my my youngest son he's half deaf so like a cochlear implant because he has a cochlear implant maybe like a cochlear yeah. dangling off for him. And then my other son's autistic, so maybe something to do, some some symbol that represents autism. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. I think you have to design right then and there. You're just <laughs> uncertain about it, but it's it sounds awesome. I, I, I would I'm love just, to I'm not that. an artist. I can't draw. <laughs> well, right. What's, but what's funny it, is I used to draw when I was younger, and I was really right. good and got a lot of compliments, and people wanted my artwork. But then I, I gave it up. I gave up doing it, and now I can't draw to save my oh, life. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> but you make really good music. I have to just say that. <laughs> well, well, thank you. You're welcome. 
Yeah, all, all my music is uh, inspired by things that happened to me in my life. So, yeah. See, that's just like the painting. My paintings are like things that happened to me in my life. But I think your, your music's awesome. I heard it in one of the podcasts that you had. And, yeah, don't knock yourself down about it. Your music's awesome. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll do another song on one of, one of my episodes. I don't know. <laughs> I support this. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well, is there uh, anything else you'd like to share before we close? Uh, not really. I think like we covered a lot of different aspects that you know could help other people on the spectrum. Um, and uh, if if anyone wants to see any of my art or poetry or reach out to me, um, my also my plain Facebook like my personal one is Catherine Contillo C-O-N-T-I-L-L-O they can anyone can reach out to me and add me as a friend um yeah I, I just love talking about you know autism and how it can help everybody else out and uh I just wanted to share my story today with anybody who's listening to uh help them out you know well, well we thank you for being on the show and thank you for having me yeah now for some announcements. We are extending the Dapple giveaway for one more week because we still don't have a winner. And for next week's episode, we will hear from Jenna Vickers. That's it for this episode. Until next time. <laughs>